Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is here to guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you. This week, I am joined by one of my best friends, Maya Francis. Maya is one of the most fun-loving, genuine, authentic, silly gooses that I know. Um, She really is just a light, and you can tell anytime that you're in her presence that she's showing up authentically as her whole self and talk about someone who really practices what they preach. So I was really, really excited to be able to sit down with Maya and chat a little bit about making meaning in our lives. This conversation took a turn into romance, specifically for young people trying to find a significant other or a healthy romantic experience. And at first, I was a little hesitant to take the conversation in that direction because I was like, we're not talking about, you know, higher power or spirituality. But as I talked with Maya, I realized that romance and who we choose to spend our lives with, especially a lifetime partner, is one of the most important decisions we're going to make. You are the company that you keep, and if you're making a lifelong commitment to someone, talking about shared values and interests and how you're going to help each other grow is really important. So I'm really glad that that's where this conversation ended up taking us, and I'm glad that serendipitously it aligned with Valentine's Day, so we get to talk a little bit about how to find healthy relationships and self-growth during this romantic season. A few notes, because Maya and I started getting really into the conversation, we were laughing and just having a hoot and a half while we were talking with each other. There are a few times that our laughter or words spike the audio. I've tried my best to either cut out some of those spikes or turn the volume down on those spikes. But if you were listening with headphones, I would make a note of that. I don't want to hurt anybody's hearing. Um, here today as we're making meaning. (laughs) So with all of that being said, I am really excited to jump into this conversation with you all. Let's take a deep breath. And get started. Okay, you ready? Let's let's crack up open these bad boys. Let's do it. Wow. Cheers. Cheers to you and to Wednesday. <laughs> oh, it's really Wednesday? Kind of feels like a Friday. It feels like a Monday to me. Oh. We've said why. very different days. The opposite <laughs> days of the week, but that's fine. Well, um, welcome Maya to Making Meaning. Thank you. I'm very excited. I'm so excited. Thank you for the time after work. I know that, you know, energy can be low and I appreciate you spending your time with me. Um, So I always begin with asking my guests, what are you grateful for? And 
Obviously, that's a very general question, but whatever you're feeling right now is perfect. Hmm. Well, honestly, right off the bat, I would say my friends, because when you were saying like, oh, thank you so much for taking the time off of your <laughs> stressful day of work to come over, I was literally thinking, I was like, well, I mean, yeah, like work is stressful. Like I'm basically like sitting at a cubicle all day coding. Right. But the thing that makes me excited to get off of work is like knowing that I'm going to see my friends yeah. afterwards. Like, for example, like our dinners on Tuesdays. Yeah. Like that's always like makes Tuesday during the day better. Because I'm like, oh, I get to see my friends. Right. So, uh, definitely my friendships, um, I'm very much grateful for, and how close we all are in yeah. terms of not just like relationship wise, but also like physical distance. Yeah. Like, true. Driving distance. A lot nice. of people aren't with this within this proximity to their close friends, and we have like 15 of our best friends Literally. in Dallas. So many of them. It's I mean, really lucky. I still do have like. A lot of friends, like, all over... California, yeah, New California, York, yeah. Yeah, like, Addie's in California. And, like, yeah, Mariana's in... Miami. Miami. Um, so, it's, like, nice to have those, like, virtual relationships still. Yeah. But, like, also having the people that are, like, in your personal close bubble around you. Yeah. Very it's nice. different. Um, well, and so, to go back to the thing about friendship, too, I've heard you say before that your friends really are, like your chosen family. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, growing up, so I was an only only child. I still am an only child. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any siblings. <laughs> I am an only child. Um and I don't know, growing up it was always just me and my parents and they were super I don't know. What's the word that I'm looking for? Um What am I thinking of? Like helicopter parent like yes like they were very much on my case and they were very much always saying like we are the only people in the world who are going to love you and Mm. like this is like the best relationship you're ever going to have which i mean i believe like obviously my parents are going to love me like no one else can but right well um, to a certain extent the i don't want this word to sound negative but the overbearing (laughs) nature does come from a place of love a hundred percent but when you're in that situation you're just like bro chill (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and like growing up i would always have like tea parties with my stuffed animals or i would play like just dance by myself because i mean also because i think the way that i grew up always being like with my mom i was incredibly shy as a child Mm. and like for example the story is so funny I went to um, preschool, to like a preschool interview at Hockaday. My mom tells me Wait, this all the time. Wait, really? Yeah, I don't think I know the story. And uh, just, like apparently part of the preschool interview is like they put you in a room with like some of the kids who are already there. Sure. And they're like, oh, like we just want to see how she like interacts with whatever. And apparently I literally just sat in the corner the entire time <laughs> and didn't talk to any kids and literally oh, no. just like screamed. Also, that's just interesting. So for listeners that don't know, Hockaday is a private school in Dallas and it's Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a Catholic private school in Dallas. I think so. Actually, I'm not sure. I could be lying, but Ursuline is Catholic, which is the other um, private All school. Girls. All girls. All Yeah. I'm not sure about Hockaday, but okay. yeah. It is like a religious private school, one of those. Some sort. Um... And a lot of private schools in Dallas are really competitive. But I didn't know that they had, like, preschool interviews. So even the idea of you having to do, like, is this four-year-old good enough is, like, crazy. No, literally. But also that the part that you weren't, like, 
good enough at is the thing that I'm like, that's your magic is the way you connect with people. That's um, one of the things that I feel like I really admire about you and makes me better and like inspires me to be better is the way you connect with other people, especially when you first meet them. And like, you're just so good at (laughs) asking the right questions and getting people to open up. That really is such a skill because it comes from a place of genuine care and not like you're like trying to do anything. But sometimes I feel like I don't even mean to and people just like start like opening up to me for like no reason. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there are sometimes like I'll have the most intense, deep conversations with people that I will meet once and I'll like never Never see see them them again. again. (laughs) And it's like, what just happened? Like, why did we just reveal our deepest, darkest secrets to each other? And then, like, it was, like, totally normal. Like, I don't know. I I feel like it's also something that I feel like I didn't develop the skill until college, really. Okay, yeah. Because I was pretty shy all throughout high school. I mean, sh- shyer. Not, I mean, I don't know. Nicole would argue and say that I wasn't shy in high school. Right. But maybe just more reserved is a better way to put it. I think it's also because... I was very much outgoing with my close friends. And yeah. I had my three best friends, which Nicole was a part of. Right. Um, so she saw the side of me that, like, not a lot of other people saw. But, like, yeah. I wasn't very, like, outgoing. Like, didn't go to, like, parties. Wasn't, like, the boy crazy kind of person, you know? Right. Like, literally did not go on a date in high school. So <laughs> I, I um, was not that kind of person. And then I, I don't know. I guess I went to college and because... I think part of it was because I didn't have my parents on me all the time. Yeah. And I was able to kind of be my own person and living on my own and then meeting the friends that I did there. Right. And I guess living in California is truly different than growing up in Dallas because the people yeah. that I was around, um, I don't know, just like different values and different mindsets over there. 100%. Um, well, and like you said about um, friends earlier too, right? Where the physical proximity really does change your relationship. I mean, that can be for good or for bad. And like you said, with your parents, like growing up in Dallas and then moving to California for college completely changes your relationship there because the only way that they can contact you is via phone or internet or anything, or if you choose to go home or if they choose to come visit you. So it's not like you have that daily check-in with them well, I mean, like you do growing up. I kind of did because I swear to God, my mom called me like twelve times a day. <laughs> like, Wait, really? No, like I'm not even kidding. Silly Bobby. Freshman year of college, my mom has my location and she oh, yeah. like tracks me or whatever. And I swear to God, freshman year of college, I would be like walking out of my dorm, going to the cafeteria to get some food, and my mom would text me and be like, "Where are you going?" And I'm like. <laughs> Watching, watching my location like i understand like i'm i'm your only child like obviously right. you're obsessed with me and everything i do plus my mom, <laughs> my mom who wouldn't be <laughs> but like I, that's I, I don't know i thought that was just hilarious like that's just so funny like i can't believe that right that, <laughs> well that that also speaks to what you meant about growing up right like again comes from a place of love yeah. but Physical distance from parents that are really invested in you and your success can be really beneficial in terms of, I'll use the exact same words you did, becoming your own person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because that really is so important to be who you are when no one has this preconceived notion of Maya. Exactly. You know? It's like, who am I going to be when 
no one knows who that is. Plus, when you're 18 years old, like, 17, 18, and you're, like, discovering who you are. Like, I was a One Direction obsessed, like, little girly who, like, (laughs) never talked to guys, like, was very innocent, but read some questionable (laughs) things. (laughs) The one D fanfic. (laughs) Those changed my life. But, I mean, I went to college and... I don't know. I just feel like I grew up a lot more, obviously went through a lot of things and learned that distance from my parents is like what does the best things for our relationships. Like when Mm. we're we're close together, we fight a lot more versus when I'm living elsewhere. Like it could even be in Dallas, but in just like a different apartment. I think it would even be better just because like, they're not like forced to see me all the time so they're not thinking about my every whereabouts yeah. and like movements um just that know. distance is good yeah and honestly i feel like that goes with friends too like there are yeah. some friends where like for example like if you were living with the same person for yeah. like multiple years in like college or something and you guys had like a falling out yep maybe like distance would do you good and you'll come back together in your friendship you know right well and i always say like you can have a good friend but they'd be horrible roommates and you can have a great roommate and then be a horrible friend like that True. is such yeah, a you thing you know about that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> t um so one more question to kickstart our conversation. Um, and then I have a couple things I want to round back to as well that I think are really interesting. But I always like to ask towards the beginning of the podcast, what is your story? So, of course, we've talked a little bit about how you grew up an only child here in Dallas. You went to a small private Catholic all-girls school with some good friends, which, of course, are familiar friends of the pod. And then went to college in California and a little bit about how that has impacted you. Anything else that when you hear the prompt, what is your story that you think of that you would want to share? That is a, actually a pretty damn good question. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, what is my story? Wow, that's so real. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, and I think about my life, I mean... I don't know. I hate to sound so preachy or sound like a... No, don't worry about that. Just whatever you really feel. Okay. Well, when I think about my story, I think about um, a girl who grew up very confused and, um, like, afraid of her identity to accept her true self because Mm. growing up in America was kind of difficult in terms of I wasn't sure whether... I should embrace my Indian side or if I should embrace my American side. And obviously we both know that I embraced my American side (laughs) wholly. Well, Um, but also even trying to find like, is a middle ground there possible? Like, what does that look like? That, and so like growing up, I was just very confused um, and never really identified with that. And I've now grown into a person who is like more conf- still struggling with who I am as a person. I mean, aren't we all? We'll always. Yep. Everyone will always struggle with who they are. Um but I have come to a place where I have accepted the fact that my skin color is what it is. Yeah. And I am happy about it. And I've been through a lot of other things in life that 
have always like I always thought it was gonna be the last time that I was doing something or like this right. is this is the last thing that's gonna end me like I'm never gonna get any better than this but always surprising myself by coming out even stronger you just gave me goosebumps <laughs> genuinely I think that is more universal than you might think that so many people have that adversary in their life or not adversary that um adversity adversity thank you but obviously yours is so unique to you and just the takeaway of even when you think this is it right like i i'm not gonna be able to bounce back from this but the fact that you've been able to feel like you're even stronger and use that as a way to embrace and grow like confidence is so freaking powerful to me and I hope that you know how powerful that is because <laughs> that is like straight up magic to me. That's what that is. Um, I want to go back to something that you said um, about fear of accepting your true self. Mm. And then you were talking about, and if you don't want to talk about this, we don't have to. That's fine. Um, but you're talking about fear of accepting your true self. And now you've gotten to a place where you're glad that you have the skin that you do and that you have this history and experience. Yeah. How did you get to a place of being happy with being Indian, with being someone who's not white in America, but also the other pieces of that too? Yeah. Um, well, honestly, I think it kind of all hit me. I feel like everything changed for me when I went to college. Yeah. I think that it's because I just was able to think on my own and mm. wasn't just bombarded. Because, like you mentioned, I went to Catholic school my entire life. And I went to mm -hmm. a Catholic college, too. Um, but my Catholic middle school was pretty, like, strict and conservative. And I kind of had a lot of things shoved down my throat in terms of yeah. what I should believe in and how I should act and blah, 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 all this stuff. And I believed in it for a while um, until I kind of realized that that's not really who I am. Yeah. Um and I forgot where I was going with that. That's okay. Um, we were talking about how you come to accept your true self and that college was a big turning point. Yes, college was a big turning point. Correct. <laughs> Love that. Thanks. Um, so, basically, I kind of realized that in college my entire life, I had always been receiving like little like racist remarks or mm. things were said from people where I kind of always laughed it off because I was like oh that's just like you know a joke like someone telling me that I was too dark for them um because yeah I, yeah for, for context I told this guy that I had a crush on him and he said that he liked me but I was too dark for him um so and that was in the third grade the like, third grade yeah and like, even then, I didn't realize, like, the significance of him saying that, because I was like, oh, well, shit, like, that's too bad. Like That's oh, well. just life. Yeah. But, like, actually now reflecting on it, it's like, no, that's, that's conditioned racist. and internalized racism from exactly. society and all the things. Yeah. Yes. And then, like, another example is in high school, like, the, I my class was probably, like, 200 girls or so okay and majority of them i want to say like 90 percent were white yeah and there were four indian girls in the class i was one of four and everyone thought it was like for all four years that i was there 
everyone knew each other's names because it was a small class. Right. We all knew who each other were. But everyone thought it was so funny to call each, like, me and the other Indian girls, like, each other's names. Like, they would call me, like, oh, hey, Radhika, or, like, hey, blah, blah, whatever. And be like, oh, sorry, hi, I thought you were her. Like, you guys just look so alike. When in reality, we look nothing alike. It's just because we're brown, and that's, like, the only similarity we have is our skin color. Right. And, like, and when I was in high school, I thought that was, like, the funniest thing ever. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so silly. Like, ah, everyone's confusing me for them. But well, then... How else are you supposed to cope with that? Like, especially when you're pushed in that way at one such a young age like high Mm -hmm. school to be dealing with those big things I mean much less third grade right but for this example high school to be dealing with those things you're not prepared for that I feel like so young also like I don't know like we're literally like what 14 yeah high school like we're so like we don't know what the hell's going on in the real world like I was I thought that I did like I know at that age like I probably thought that I knew like everything about everything but I don't know. I feel like I didn't learn about the real world until I was out and about in it. On your own. I was like, whoa, like, yeah, this is kind of crazy. And I just realized that my entire life, I've always been treated different because of the way that I looked. And it even showed throughout college, like in when it came to relationships, like the guys that I liked would never like me back. And they would always go for the blonde, skinny, white girls. And I would be, like, in the corner. Or, like, even now, to this day, like, I do... I am happy with who I am. Yeah. And, like, I know that I'm very proud of the fact that there's some, like, ethnic roots in me. Like, there's still that part of me that's, like... Well, obviously, I know that that's not, like, the superior thing to people. So, for example, like... When we're in, like, a bar or a club or something, yeah. and I'm with all of my white friends. I think I've mentioned this to you before. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm with all of my white friends, and a really cute guy comes up and starts talking to us. I'm immediately like, oh, he's not here for me. He's here for my cute white friends. I'm just going to stand in the back and yeah. be the funny comedian bestie girl that I always am. Because, right. I mean, I am, like, I feel like I, with guys at least, like, yeah. I am so good at being a friend and so good at being, mm. like, the silly, like, bestie, like, oh, my God, like, bro, like, they love me. Yeah. But I've it's never been, like, the romantic type. To, that, like, like, cross that path. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting. So that also calls back to what you said about um, in high school, the girls, like, mixing up your names with your other Indian classmates. Yeah. And you being like, oh, haha, that's so funny how else are you supposed to cope with that when you're in a small class? You know, I I think that makes a lot of sense that when you're not prepared for it, you're not ready to really face what's actually happening to you. you don't really know what you're facing either. Right. So obviously you fell on humor as a coping mechanism, which I think a lot of people do. It makes sense. But also to bring it back to what you were just talking about with guys, with, any sort of relationship where you feel like you are being treated differently, it's much easier to be, oh, I'm funny, I'm easy to talk to, you can open up to me, and be the person that's reflecting other people back to them instead of, no, like, just me. You know what I mean? See, that's why I think that I'm so good at, like, opening up to people sometimes because I, like, immediately know that, like, it's not 
gonna be like that sort of situation i mean Mm. with girls i feel like it's always very easy for me i don't know i'm just like we're gonna be besties unless you're a bitch then right i hate you peace yeah Yeah. bye but most girls i can easily have a conversation with we'll get along with not a problem and then with guys i feel like i always go into it being like okay it's not gonna be a romantic thing like don't think that because that's not gonna happen Mm. until i let myself fall in the delusion that it's gonna happen and then i can't get one I don't think it's a delusion to think that someone could be interested in you because you Thanks. are amazing and beautiful Thanks. and all the compliments. So I understand you what get, you're saying. You get what I'm saying, yeah. Where when you're talking to someone and it's like, okay, if romance is off the table, that immediately changes the way that you are interacting with someone. Exactly. Yeah. You just like become like the friend that you know that they want in that moment or for however long it is. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm really good at like pretending to be the friend when i'm actually like secretly in love with you tell me more how do you think you do you think that that was something that you oh i hate doing it good at or is it something that you've just kind of always been able to do because it's second nature maybe i mean yeah maybe because well like i don't know like again crushes started in college like i had some crushes in middle school and high school but sure but then like college was when i had like my first like love yeah um and that was like traumatizing because he was so like we literally broke up like eight times and got back together every single time because we were just like addicted to each other right like it was it was a lot um and like but those kinds of crushes started in college Mm. and a lot of them were with people that like i was strictly friends with and it like never really went anywhere besides that i was always just kind of crushing in the background yeah um and like all of my friends would know because like obviously i would tell right them, you and, talk like, to them about yeah, it yeah and everyone would be aware of it but i would never actually tell the person how i felt um unless i was like blackout drunk like literally this one time in college there was this boy that there was always this like will we won't we I I was not to be let the record show that I was not in love with him. I <laughs> okay. okay. I I I clearly understand in my soul that I was not in love with him. I was just obsessed with him and thought that I was in love with him. Sure. But so I I got blackout drunk one night and I apparently went over to his house and stood outside his bedroom door and like confessed my love you for full him. like love actually 16 candles yes i was like i'm in love with you and i think that we should date and keep in mind that he had just broken up with his girlfriend like a week before that um that he started dating because i was with someone else and he was like upset about it oh so it was like a whole it was a whole thing yeah and but that's what i mean like i've that's the only time that something like that has ever happened but it was because i was absolutely inebriated and not present um okay a couple things that I want to touch on. One, you said earlier in this story that you know, like, in your soul that you were obsessed and not in love. But in the moment, you didn't know that. Yeah. Now, looking back on it, what do you think the difference between those two things are? And why do you know that now? I literally just talked about this in therapy. And I... <laughs> okay. It's kind of a hard... There's not, like, a fine line between the two because... Obviously, obsession is, like, you, like I said, like, you can think that it's love when it's actually right. not. And I think that it happens, like, the switch for me happens when I stop being obsessed with the person, obviously. Um, there's, like, 
not really like a trigger or anything for it. There's no timeline. Like it takes me like for my first ex, it took me like almost two years to get over him for mm. other crushes I've had. It's taken me like a few months. Like right. there's no like specific timeline and there's no like reason as to why I get over them. It's just like sure. suddenly I wake up and I'm like, Oh, I'm not thinking about you anymore. That's great. Yeah. Um, and it's when I stop thinking about them in that way where like my brain is idolizing them and mm. having those um, like fantasies and daydreams where it's like they're perfect and like everything that I want them to be. Um, Cause like every, my therapist and I deduce that every guy that I've ever had something with or that I've liked has never checked like any box on my checklist. Interesting. Like none of them are, I mean, I don't want to say none of them are kind, but like, I mean, they've none of them have ever been real relationships so it's always been like me feeling more than them sure so but they don't have the like the attributes the values that yeah. you would like in a partner yeah like the one right now like <laughs> different values right um right but but my brain when i'm in that state of it's not an obsession it's more of just like a crush yeah. That's really strong. <laughs> well, and I think any crush has that kind of... You think about it a lot. Yeah. You know, that's just normal when you're in that... When you like someone and you spend time with them. Yeah. Like, obviously, you're going to think about them. Your brain chemicals are literally becoming addicted to being in their presence. And so it is this kind of... To get that hit of dopamine or serotonin or whatever when you're with them... When you think about that person, you get a little tiny version of it. So, of course, you want to think about them because it feels good. Exactly. And so, like, my... I'll think about, like, all of, like, the great things. And, like, I'll look past, obviously, all of the red flags and the Mm -hmm. negatives. Um, I'm just like, oh, everything's great. Like, I'm in a perfect fantasy land where he's in love with me and I'm in love with him. And we're going to get married and have so many babies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then I'm forced back to reality all of a sudden and realize like, okay, wait, he actually doesn't like me like that. Or maybe he does and we can't be together or whatever the reason is. Right. Um, and then my brain will make the switch. Well, it'll stop having these daydreams about the person that makes me like think about them in a better way than they actually are. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just realize that, okay, I wasn't actually in love with that person. Like, it's happened to me twice mm. where I've said that I was in love with someone, but then I realized that I actually wasn't because it was just me making more out of the relationship than it actually right. was. But when that kind of, for lack of a better term, obsession goes away and that feeling stays, yeah. that's when you're like, okay, that like, actually could mean like something. that actually wasn't real Mm -hmm. um that was just a fleeting moment a crush that got a little too strong because i mean i will admit like i do have severe attachment issues um (laughs) but i mean we all we all have our baggage we all have our things that we're working on we do yeah um but i will say i've gotten a lot better like i'm not attached to the person that i like right now i'm it's just a simple crush but um, it, I don't know. It's definitely rough because I never know whether I'm being truthful to myself. Sure. I always feel like whenever I like someone, I lose myself to them because I want to be 
everything that they like in a person. Mm. Like, I want to learn everything that they like and then, like, turn myself into that perfect person. Which, funnily enough, sounds like kind of what you're mentally doing to them, to them. Too, exactly. Right? It's like that inverse, which, of course, in an ideal relationship, that's what you have are these two people that are so devoted to each other that mm-hmm. they, you know, want to be the best person that they can be for their partner. But I think that's pretty hard to come by in terms of like an actual yeah. deep connection with people that want to go there. Yeah, no relationship is going to be like that perfect cookie cutter whatever yeah um and i've realized that like those are all things that i've done in the past Mm. and i have changed that thing about myself how yeah like how i'm attaching myself to people and how i'm viewing relationships i'm like actively working on it and and i can see a difference in the way that i have crushes on people and how i react to them yeah. i mean it's still not healthy by any means hey give yourself a little more <laughs> credit it's a little better lo- well in love and romance is such a big part of life and i think i mean in terms of even like talking about a podcast like this or stories like this it's about making meaning like we can't isolate that to just our soul path because life is about connecting with other people it's about relationships and if romance and love is a part of that for you, that becomes a really big part. Most people want a life partner. Most people that's would true. like to build a family. Not to say that that's the right decision for everyone or no. that that is it for everyone by any means, but that's a big part of our own definition of self is who are we with other people, yeah. right? And yeah. so I think thinking those things through is really wise to make sure that you are still the person you want to be with the person you want. Yeah. You know, do those two things exactly. line up? Like, I want to be able to be completely, fully myself mm. the way that I am with my best friends that I have, like, no reserves, reservations with. Yeah. Um, you also talked about, like, when you're inebriated or drinking or whatever, yeah. indulging, imbibing, that you have a tendency to maybe say the things that are inside your brain, inside your heart, inside your mind, whatever you want to call that, that you wouldn't if you weren't. Obviously, that's a very universal experience. A lot of people fall victim to the drunk text, to the drunk dial, the thing. Why do you think that is? And why do you think for you that's happened a couple times where when you were imbibing, that was when that happened? And that's also, I don't, I want to be clear that that's not a form of judgment when I say that. Bro, this is pure no, curiosity no, and, like, what do you think that is? I, for, for me, I know it's because <laughs> when I'm sober, I'm really scared of rejection. Mm. And I just, like, I know that I wouldn't be able to handle it very well. And so I feel like I can handle a lot more things when I'm drunk because I'm just, like, having more fun. That's or- so interesting, though, because there's almost a feeling of, like invincibility low-key even though that's like your most like vulnerable state because like you're like not well (laughs) but you still feel like emotions wise i feel like i can handle anything that's thrown at me it's like nothing can touch me until i get to the point where i'm like uncontrollably sobbing (laughs) everyone's like oh my god she needs to chill (laughs) we need to do something (laughs) 
that is super interesting though this like invincibility thing i love it okay another thing that i wanted to make sure that we talked about specifically Mm. pivoting a little bit but also still sort of connected um you are a woman in stem but even more a woman of color in stem which is slay exactly um and you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you code for a living. Tell me about that. I would like to know what that means to you as a woman, and especially on the heels of this conversation about like our relationships with other people, specifically yeah. men too. Yeah. How has that impacted the way you view yourself, the way you view womanhood? All of that. Just talk to me. Okay. Well, I will say, I did not want to be a software engineer by any means. Um, I don't know. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a lot of different things. The first job I wanted to be was a garbage collector. And Sick. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then I wanted to be a vet, and then I wanted to be a doctor for a long time, but I was like, everyone in my family is a doctor. I'm not going to do that. Bye. Um, and then when I was applying to colleges, my dad was like, my dad majored in computer science engineering when he was in college. Right. And he was like, oh, like, you should do this. Like, this is great because there are, like, not a lot of women in this field and, like, you'll get a job right after college. Like, Feminist like, Romeo? Yeah, I know. He was like, you, like, this is like, you'll make the most money, like, blah, 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 all that sure. stuff. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was like, okay, like, I'll apply as all of that stuff. And then when I was in college, I really actually wanted to be a lawyer for a while. I wanted to be a human rights lawyer, um, just because I'm pretty good at public speaking. Yeah. I did model. I was president of Model U One in high school, and I did it in. I didn't school. know that. I was in debate club and like all that stuff, speech club. Yeah. Um. So I'm pretty good at public speaking, and I also am very passionate about human right. rights. Um, so I was like, that seems like a great thing for me to yeah. do. And I was really passionate about it. And I was going to switch my major to poli-sci, but my parents found out and they were like, absolutely not. You have to be an engineer. Like oh. you have to like, at least have the computer science, um, degree as a backup. And then you can go to law school like afterwards. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that, but like, fine. Um, interesting. So do you think it was, it's because they just want me to have, the security yeah security of knowing that like i can fall back on my computer science degree as like you said a woman of color that's pretty good for you to have yeah and which i completely agree with them i completely agree but it was just it was just so hard that doesn't mean it's the right path for you always even though they're they're 100 right that like being a woman of color in software engineering like there's always going to be jobs there. And especially like the way our culture is going, society is going like computer knowledge, computer science is like so important to be on the front end of. However, the workplace still isn't as accepting of like women though. I feel like, because I mean, I work in a pretty male dominated workplace right now. Mm -hmm. There's really just like one or two other girls that I work with. um, And the rest are all male and none of them, are even all engineers like it's like just all other departments and i don't know i i love my company i really truly do i have no qualms against them but it's just sometimes the men do be men in like the things that they'll say to me sometimes like i've mentioned this to you before but i have a pretty bad resting bitch face i'll admit it i just like look pretty (laughs) mad whenever i'm just like chilling but 
I mean, every single day, some guy will walk by my desk and be like, Oh my gosh, why do you look so sad, Maya? You look so mad. You should smile more. Looking at Maya makes me sad. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm I didn't like, realize I existed to please you physically. Yeah, I'm like, why the hell are you looking at my face? And like, why are you commenting on the way I look? If I'm going to be sad or mad. Even if you were, that that is still solely within your realm of relevance, right? It's like exactly. that, that actually doesn't pertain to anyone except for you. Exactly. And I've, I've been told before, like, that... Like, I shouldn't care that much about my feelings because, like, what wouldn't matter to you in five years shouldn't Mm. matter in five minutes. Right. Something like that. Like, everyone has more problems than you. Like, think about starving people in Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. Which, obviously, is fucking terrible. I'm not trying to make light of that. But at the same time, you have to be aware of the fact that you have your own problems. And you can't just ignore that because if you're ignoring yourself and not like loving yourself and fixing the way that you go about life like how are you supposed to help anyone else yeah like it's like how i always think about like you can't love someone until you love yourself which but it's which i mean i think is totally true like it's everything so i i have like three things that i need to say about this so one rupaul love if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else facts that he says it in every single interview. I love RuPaul. I do too. What a amazing human being. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why that is such a powerful thing to say, right? It's like you have to start from somewhere. Um, other thought, my favorite quote from one of my favorite books, Perks of Being a Wallflower, mm. Is the um, I forget exactly what it is. I'm gonna butcher the actual verbiage. I feel like I remember you've told me this before. Probably. I feel like I quote it all the time. Yeah. But it's yes, there are always going to be people with problems worse than you, but that doesn't change the fact that you feel the way you feel. Yeah. And it's like just because someone else has worse problems doesn't mean that your feelings are invalid. Because even I mean, to use your example, the starving kid in Africa, it's like, well, are you going to compare that absolute travesty to some other even greater injustice? It's yeah. like, how do you play this like, well, who actually has it worse and they're the only person that's allowed to feel bad? I mean, the human experience is so much more varied than that, too, mm. just because you're maybe food insecure doesn't mean <laughs> that you're living a horrible, terrible life. Like, you can still find happiness in daily things. And then um, there was something else I felt like I needed to say. Oh, the starving baker. Have you heard this story before? I don't think so. It's like a kitschy kind of, like, story that's about this baker who um, bakes bread and his bread is amazing. And every single day someone comes in and is like, I'm starving, I can't pay for food, can I please have bread? Mm. And so he's like, yes, of course have this bread and he gives away all of his bread every single day and so he has nothing to eat at the end of the day and eventually he withers and dies and then everyone in this town also withers and dies because they no longer have bread oh god and so it's the starving baker it's like you can't pour from an empty cup even if it was like one loaf a day that he was keeping for himself how many more people would he have been able to feed that's true wow i've never heard that that's actually like pretty 
like, um, pretty good analogy. Right. And, like, it's a really simple way to think about it. And I don't want to, like, condense this issue down to no, that but, level of simplicity. But, I mean, the thing is, is that talking about things like this, you have to be emotionally intelligent enough to be able to have conversations about your emotions and about, <laughs> like, the way that people see the world and just like yeah. the way the world works and that kind of stuff you have to be emotionally intelligent enough to do that and there are some people that just aren't that emotionally there like they can't really manage their emotions very well and you kind of have to use those simpler stories or terms or whatever to communicate help them well and communicate and you never just, know what is going to be the thing, because I, I believe, I don't know if we're aligned on this or not, but mm. that everyone is capable of being there and getting there oh, eventually. I 100% think okay, that everyone cool. can do that. It's just I know for a fact that Not everyone people... does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, right, you have to meet someone where they're at yeah. whenever you're having these conversations. Um, I love all of that. That was... So I forget exactly how you put it, but I just remember thinking that it was a really succinct and beautiful way to phrase it. Thank you. Um, couple things before we round out our conversation. God, higher power, anything like that that you practice in your daily life. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about your Indian heritage, but you went to a Catholic school. Um, so I grew up Catholic. Like I was baptized, um, confirmed, all of that jazz. Um, I was honestly super religious until probably my junior year of high school. Mm. And then I don't really know what happened. I just kind of fell out of it. And I felt like any time that I asked for help or like called out for God or whatever, like he was never really there. Mm. And I've been through a lot of really hard shit in my life where it's like people have told me, like oh like god does that to people's lives like for a reason like there's a purpose for this and i'm right. like why in the hell would he make me go through this yeah like, it just doesn't seem right yeah why so, would it, an omniscient all good god do this? make something bad happen yeah. yeah um and then someone when i told that to someone they told me that it's because i was doing something bad <gasps> and it was like god's punishment for me and when, when that person told me that, I was just kind of sitting there and I was like, that's like a really fucked up thing to say to someone, especially if you don't know like what they've been through. And like you're saying that that was like a punishment for them. It's like, that makes it even worse. Because like, imagine someone's like family pet just died and you're like, oh, well, that's a punishment. It's like, there's some really harmful phrasing that is floated around out there under the guise of self-improvement and religion and connection to higher power yeah. but all that does is make you feel horrible yeah yeah exactly and so i mean i do identify as atheist now mm -hmm. um but i mean i will say a lot of people in my life have told me they're like you'll come back to god eventually like you'll go through something that'll make you like want to go back to him and i'm like okay um don't really want that to happen but thanks but i mean i will say that sometimes i do I don't want to say pray because I don't say like, hi God, like it's me. Like I just kind of like talk up at the universe and I'm just kind mm -hmm. of like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes like there's got to be something more than 
this yeah. menial earthly life. Like, I just feel like there's got to be some sort of... Like, it's not necessarily a higher power, but just something otherworldly that we'll never be able to describe that or explain. That we're not fully that, aware like, of. It just... I don't know. It's there, and it's willing to listen. And yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I'll just... I'll talk out loud. No one really talking that I'm talking to, specifically. Right. But... I don't know, I'll just, like, ask for some guidance or yeah. ask for something. I think that's beautiful. And I think that, I mean, for me in my recent exploration, I've definitely had this kind of, like, oh, this is the universe or, you know, the, it's synchronicity, it's connection, it's the human yeah. experience that ties us all together. And I do think that a lot of people call that God. So for me, when I yeah, talk about true. God, it's like, okay. It's true. God could be a lot of things. Right. But at the same time, hearing you talk about that and saying, well, you know, there's something and it's some sort of like, it's something bigger, but I don't know if I want to call it a higher power. I'm like, sick. <laughs> that makes, you know, I'm like, that makes sense to me. And just because I might call that God and you might not. Yeah doesn't make one more valid or one no, less and, valid. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I I love learning about other religions. Yeah. I think it's all so interesting and I have no judgments against anyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just my personal take on it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I have two questions to end our conversation. <laughs> one is, is there anything we didn't talk about or that in light of something we talked about that you want to say or that you want to throw out there or that you'd like to throw out there for anyone who may stumble across this podcast? If not, and you feel good, that's amazing. But if there is, I want to give you that space. Um, well, first... Well, I think not first. This is the only thing I'm going to say. <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you for making it such a safe space. I mean, ever since the first day that I met you in our budding friendship, it's always been such a safe space between us. I feel like I can always talk to you about literally anything, even when it's not on air. <laughs> I'm like, you're literally going to make me cry. But So the fact that you're willing and able to put our beautiful thoughts together and our friends and other like-minded wise people and put it out there for the world i don't know that's fucking amazing so i just want to say thank you for being able to create this kind of space for us to talk in and to be vulnerable in because it's not easy for a lot of people it's not and thank you for saying that and i mean you you really will never know how much hearing that means to me and i'm so grateful for you love and you. for our friendship i love you so so much love you last question hmm. one word can't be hyphenated can't be a phrase just damn. one word damn how do you feel right now in this moment relieved hmm i like talking about not necessarily my problems but i like talking about hard topics and things that yeah. people usually don't talk about especially when it's with someone who is also smart and can have <laughs> logical well, conversations you. without like getting into fights um i don't know it's very refreshing and yeah very um nice and just feels like 
satisfying, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes me really, really happy. And you make me really, really happy. And I'm so glad we did this. And let's go eat dinner. Excited. <laughs> Thank you, Maya. Of course, anytime. all so much for listening today and a big thank you to Podington Bear for making Meanings theme music. If you want more info about today's episode, head to thecoherecollective.com and click on blog. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you can subscribe to our newsletter on thecoherecollective.com so you never miss another episode. For updates on all of our stuff, follow us on Instagram at The Cohere Collective. And if you are so inclined, you can follow me on Instagram at Lillian Reese Brown. Feel free to leave an honest review or rating on this episode. It helps me reach the people who will resonate with my content and hopefully reach my goal of making the world a better place. Sharing the pod is also a great way to start conversations with important people in your life. If you want more of Maya, you can follow her on Instagram at Maya Francis with two S's. Right now, I'm feeling energized. Took me a second to come up with a word that time, but today has just been productive and rewarding already and reflecting back on the conversations that I've been able to have through the experience of this podcast makes me really excited to keep going and I hope that you're excited to keep listening and continue on this journey with me thank you all so much for being here and I hope that you feel like you are living more coherently I'll catch y'all next time love